Amen. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? He's amazing. So blessed to be with you today. I want to thank my uh, nephew Jaron for, he's right back there, stepping in and being ready last Sunday when uh, his old uncle couldn't make it. Yeah, well, he done, done. All you youth, uh, if you want to go back there with him and his beautiful bride there, uh, they're going to take you for the youth service, so 6th through 12th grade, if you want to head back there, that'd be awesome. Guys, I want to tell you that I am uh, extremely blessed to be with you and just uh, thrilled at what God is doing. How many of you, I'm going to ask for a little bit of lights in the room, a little bit, and I'm going to have our camera over here looking at y'all. Uh, live online. We want to say we love you all that are out there watching at home at the Gospel Rescue Mission at Village of Oak Creek. Yeah, we love you guys. We love you. We're excited about what God's doing. All right. So um, I'm going to have the reason I'm asking for the camera to be on, I'm going to have it stay on you guys for a minute. Uh, so eight years ago, we had our grand opening at this campus. So what I want to know is if you were part of the, at, you were at and part of the congregation at the old campus on Broadway, uh, if you were, would you stand up for just a moment, please? There you go. Look at that. Yeah. All right. So as you look around and you see everybody that's not standing, look what God's doing. Is that awesome or what? He's amazing. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. I want to thank you for your faithfulness and putting up with me all these years and all that God's doing. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we're so blessed at what God is up to. I can't believe it's been eight years. It is. I honestly didn't even remember until this very morning when I was getting ready to send my notes over to the tech team that today was the day that we have been here eight years and it was our grand opening that we did this. So pretty cool what God's doing. Super excited, blessed. I want to share something with you all that I don't know if I've ever shared with you. I may have, but... Many years ago, I was down at what is called, it used to be the Detroit Red Wings uh, rink. It was um, a Joe Louis Arena. I'm a Red Wings fan, in case you didn't know that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's hockey. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but it is. It's the greatest sport on ice. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, so I am a Red Wings fan big time. I play hockey myself. I was a goalie. I played all the way up to, even moving here, I, went, I had to go to inline, of course, because you guys don't have ice down here, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I love hockey. It's amazing. So there's a reason I'm telling you this, because I was down at the, blessed to be able to get into a Detroit Red Wings game, and my wife and I were there, and I was looking around, and there was like 20-some thousand people in the arena, and um, I, did, I think I did talk about this part, where um, we actually had tickets where they, the hallway was like this. It was probably this wide of a hallway, and they had put tape down right there, like a line, and you bought a space to stand. For real. I mean, it's called Hockey Town for a reason. You know, people are fanatic about the Detroit Red Wings and hockey, right? So literally, they were, we, I think they were gifted to me. I don't think I paid that money. But anyway, it was a lot of money for a space to stand. And they had that boundary for you, like you stay in your spot. And you were right next to the other people with you, and you stood the whole time. Now, there's three periods and 20-minute breaks between hockey periods, right? So you're standing there. You can walk around and buy stuff if you want to, but I'm saying is like when the game's going on, that's your space. I stood there looking at it. I'm like, man, you know, the church could learn a whole lot of stuff from hockey fans. <laughs> this is what I want us to learn. There's people that study 
the science of people, and they try and help us as pastors to know how to take care of our churches, and they tell us that y'all need 20 inches of space between you and the next person, that you're not comfortable being by anybody else that you don't know especially, and that when a room is 80% filled, you need to start another service or do something else because you're not going to have any more people fill that room because they're not comfortable being in other people's space. So I'm standing there in the midst of this 20-some thousand people, every place sold out, standing next to each other, willing to stand the entire time to cheer on a hockey team. And I'm like, God, please let me live to see the day that the church of Jesus Christ is so committed to you that we're willing to do whatever it takes to be with you, to be with your people, to be part of an amazing community that is excited to celebrate Jesus Christ in this much passion. Trust me, folks, if you've never been to a hockey game, there is a lot of passion. There is. Some of it's liquidly induced, I get it, but they are enthusiastic before they start that, too. They just get stupid after that, okay? So here's the thing. As I was standing there praying that prayer and looking around, you know, I felt conviction in my own heart because, you know, I like my space. Honestly, I do. But I was willing to sacrifice that. Absolutely. If I could be a part of that, I'm like, I'll stand anywhere. You guys could put me in the bleachers. I don't care. I'll do whatever you want to be here. And so as I consider that now, I also said to the Lord, like, God, I, I, I pray that you would allow me someday to be able to speak to 20-some thousand-plus people in some capacity to lift up the name of Jesus and let them know this is what it's all about, that this is what it's all about, nothing else. Now, yeah, I didn't ask that because I'm asking to have a church of 20,000. Don't freak out or nothing. I mean, I'm already, yeah, I'm not that. I'm saying let me proclaim that truth to that many people so that they know the truth of Jesus Christ and they're not being told some other garbage that's just giving them some spiritual comfort stuff where they just feel okay about themselves. This isn't about feeling okay about me. It's not about feeling okay about us. It's about serving the creator of the universe and doing what he asks us to do. He's amazing. And I am so humbled that he would ever allow me to stand right here and talk to you about him. <laughs> that completely blows me away because, yeah, he's amazing. So church, on February 12th, how many of you were here in the service? You probably don't even know what week that is. Never mind. February 12th. <laughs> Maybe you're not like me, but I have to look at my calendar like, what is today? What date? Here we are. So it was uh, a month ago, you know, we gathered together. And we were in the service, and God asked me to do something. I had no idea I was going to do, and I was planning it for an uh, interview that I was going to do that week. And I asked you all to shout out your zip code. You remember that? So I asked you to do that, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do something with this. I knew I was going to do something with it. I didn't know what else, but I knew God was up to something. And so I want you to know today is a historic day. I mean that. Today is a historic day in my life, in yours, in this church's ministry life, and what God is doing. I am like blown away. I am not going to preach any new revelation to you today. I'm not. I am going to preach God's word to you today, and God is going to do something significant in you if you let him. 
Church, I mean this. Like, I cannot tell you. I'm talking to everybody online, everybody in-house. If you will listen to what I'm about to say to you today, and you can put through all the other stuff that I'm saying, and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? And you'll stay with me. It will make sense, and God's going to impact you. I know he is. I have been so humbled and excited about today that I need to start talking so I don't run out of time to do it. Do you know that the zip codes didn't even come into existence until 1963? So, you know, it hasn't been that long ago. It's been part of our life, our whole life, so we just think it's always been, but it's like, well, duh, no. Obviously, they didn't bring that across on the Mayflower and say, you're going to live in this number, right? <laughs> so I'm going to give you a trivia fact. So later on when you're playing Trivial Pursuit and they ask those stupid questions that nobody should know, uh, it has a life anyway, you know, that uh, this guy, Robert Moon, is the one that came over the ID. He worked for the post office, and he was, like, probably tired of sorting things by name and what city and that. And he was like, we should put a number on here so I at least know where I'm looking. And he did, and he, it took 40 years. You know how our government works? I don't know if you know this or not. It took 40 years to actually implement it, okay? But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that was your, your welcome for that trivia. Uh, and it was the same year that our president... John F. Kennedy Jr. was assassinated back in 1963. So the Wesleyan Church, which we're a part of, by the way, if you don't know that, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell you something here. It's important. I believe wholeheartedly that God has us in that umbrella for the days ahead. I do. I'm just letting you know that I feel like it's really, really important that churches are part of a bigger network for our own protection against the things that are coming against the church. So it doesn't matter about the name, it doesn't matter about them. As long as they stay true to the gospel, I'm good with it. If they don't, we're stepping away. They know that, I'll happy proclaim that to anybody. I serve Jesus Christ first and foremost, but I just happen to serve him in what is called the Wesleyan Church. Okay? Now listen to me. If you don't know anything about it, don't get lost on that. Listen to what I'm about to say to you because... A few years back, we elected what is called our general superintendent who oversees all the churches. I personally know him. He's an awesome man of God, a man of prayer. I love him. When I was a nobody stepping into this denomination and knew nobody, I went to his church, didn't even know who he was. He walked up and talked to me on the side when nobody was around because I was like an outcast over there in the corner, you know. And he came over and talked to me. I didn't know who he was. And here he was, the guy that was the host of everything that was happening. He is now our general superintendent, super good guy. Listen, I'm telling you this for a reason, because he came up with this um, idea in prayer and about the church saying that the, the church needs to have a missional presence in every zip code. Okay, so the idea was that we would begin to look at planting churches, so having churches in every zip code. Now, when that came about, you know, um, I want you to hear me right when I say this. I think there's something more important than that. Um, and if we as leaders of the church would begin to teach the gospel and what the word of God teaches, we would have a missional presence in every zip code right now. We would need a church building to be there. All right, so now again, I'm gonna, I want us to hear exactly what I'm saying, so please stay tuned with me in what I'm trying to articulate with you about this. We as a congregation, including those online, are in a lot more zip codes making an impact than what we would perceive looking at this church building sitting here. So when we begin to see the church as this building right here at 85716, and we see that as the missional presence of God, we have failed to see what the gospel teaches us. 
And we've also had limited view of what actually God is doing or what God desires to do or wants to do. And his plan from the very beginning is not just about having this building right here. He wants this building here. He wants us gathering. He wants us gathering in the other places. Don't misunderstand me. But you understand what I'm saying is his missional presence is not about us just coming to this building. It's not just about listening and singing. There's way more to what God is doing. Okay? We are gathered as a body of Christ, and we, I want us to know this, church. You want to say this with me? We, I, say I. I I am the missional asset for the kingdom of God. You are it. Church, you're it. You are the missional asset for the kingdom of heaven. So as we as a church sit here in 85716, I'm going to give you some statistics, which I don't do very often, and I don't care about them, but it's important. We have a, a people that attend from this community. Again, remember, this is only from February 12th and only from the 915 service. Somehow the paper got discarded. I won't say who did that or how that happened that had the stuff on it. Um, I won't. So we are... <laughs> so. Thank you to Lindsay Martin as she listened to the service again and wrote down those and then looked on some other stuff and we got as much as we could. So I'm just going to say, those of you that were in the room, based on those that were in the 915 service on February 12th, we have 23 of the 37 zip codes that make up the entire Tucson surrounding area. Yeah. Now, I know we have more than that, but I'm just letting you know where we were at. Now, it's important that I see this because, you know, if you know anything about Tucson itself, and that's the village of Oak Creek, not Tucson. So if you want to change that map, that'd be awesome. I want to stay with Tucson for a minute. Thank you. Or village of Oak Creek, we're going to get to you in a second. I, or we are now, and then I'll come back to Tucson. What are we doing over there? There it is. Hey, woo. All right. Good thing I looked around. You guys thought I was crazy. But see, now, Tucson and the region around us covers 76.32 miles of square space. Did you know that? It's a massive city. And it goes beyond what we consider the city of Tucson because it encompasses a lot of other communities that have their own name, like Vail and, you know, Sarita and all that kind of stuff. You know, those people that think there's something, but they're not. They're just part of us. Uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks, Oro Valley. Uh, you know, Savino Canyon, Swallow Park East, over to Swallow Park West, Vail Surrounding, Green Valley even. Okay, that's all considered Tucson. Okay, so now when you look at that map and you see all those zip codes, it's encompassing all of that. And so now I look at that and it's like blesses my heart. And I got chills when I look at this and I'm like, we're in 23 of those 37 zip codes areas, right? Yeah, that's amazing. There's a reason I'm excited about that, and you should be as well. Now, look, on top of that, we do have online chat, as you know, and, and not everybody that signs in online does the chat. So if you don't know what that is, you can sign in, and you can communicate with our person back in the tech room, and they will communicate with you online live with what's going on if you have questions about the service. This isn't a time for you to chit-chat online. Okay, just so you know, it's about Jesus the message, and if you have a question. Okay, anyway, all right, so what's happening there is then we had some people sign in. I asked those that were watching that day to please let us know where they were. So, you know, I never know where people are, but I want you to know on that day itself that we had someone in Hawaii watching, 
someone in South Carolina, in Colorado, Texas, Florida, California, and Oregon. Those were states that people were, yeah, they responded, right? I, uh, I want you to know that that like, is so cool that God does that, right? You know, like we don't even know who they are, how they found us, or anything. I mean, some I probably know, please don't feel offended at that. I know some of you, and you should reach out to me if I don't, um, that they're there. Now, today, as God has opened the doors for us to begin weekly live streams to the Gospel Rescue Mission down here on South Palo Verde uh, Avenue down here, you know, yeah. Like, there is a group of people here in that ministry that are coming from all kinds of walks of life, and we're now allowed to be a light to you. And then God opens the door in this very day to allow us to be in the village of Oak Creek up here south of Sedona in that region. You can put that. There you go. That it is there. There. So, so as we do that, you know, so I want you to hear this, how cool this is. Now, uh, obviously, the village of Oak Creek is a lot smaller than us. 4.6 square miles is what they cover. But inside of that, there's like uh, almost 7,000. There's 6,000 and some people, according to the last census. Here in the Tucson region, we have, in the region itself of Pima County, a million people. Tucson itself has 670-some thousand people. Church, do you understand how great the mission field is around us? How lost people are and how many people need to hear the good news of the gospel. Man, we have an incredible mission field before us. The church used to pray for God to send missionaries across the ocean to reach the lost people. God is saying to us today, hey, wake up. You are my missionaries. You speak the language. You know the culture. You know the people. They're lost. They need Jesus. Let's step up and be the missionaries God's called us to be and embrace the gospel message, church. That's what God's calling us to. Look, in Matthew 20, I'm going to read two verses from Jesus here. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Do you know when this took place? After his crucifixion and resurrection. He, he took the power the enemy used to own because we gave it to him. God had given us that authority. But we surrendered it in sin, so Satan actually had the authority here. And Jesus, because he came and paid the penalty for sin and death, and took those keys away from Satan, he's telling those that would follow him, like, I've got it all now. I reclaimed what you screwed up. It's now here and present. Church, that is the good news of the gospel. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Think about that. We're talking about the very presence of the creator of the universe, the authority that rules in the heavens above. He's like, not only that authority, but it's right here too. All of it. God, help me to live in that space. Therefore, Jesus said, look, he's giving us the understanding that we're not just going to do something for him. There is power available to go with us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, man. That's so awesome, man. Well, church, we are called to go forth through the authority of Jesus Christ to fulfill his mission, his purpose, and his plan. 
Now, when we dismiss you every Sunday, we are sending you out in that authority as followers of Jesus Christ to go out there and be that light and that influence in this lost world that Jesus died to make us. And therefore, church, we are being called to embrace that fully today. More than ever before, God is calling us to embrace the fullness of our missional intention that he has placed upon every one of us. We will read again another scripture here found in in, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You already know this verse as well. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Everywhere, church. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So now, let's hear what Jesus is saying to us. He was like, hey guys, all of you that are following us, guys, generic, men and women, both of you that are disciples right here following me, want you to know the Father has a promise for you. It's the Holy Spirit, the comforter. I told you about him. He's going to come. Jesus says, I'm out of here. He's coming. Jesus sends into heaven. On the 50th day after the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. Guess what they were doing? They were in the upper room praying. And the Holy Spirit falls upon them and fills them, and they go out into the streets and they preach Jesus. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2, because it's all about Jesus, church. Don't lose sight of that. He preaches Jesus in the streets, the disciples, and all those that were in the upper room, they're out in the masses. The people just happened to be there for the Feast of Pentecost. God just kind of coordinated that accidentally, you know what I mean? That everyone would come to Jerusalem on that day because it was a mandatory feast for all of the men to show themselves there. And then they go out in the midst of that chaos and talk about Jesus and how he died, resurrected, and he's the Savior, the Messiah they've been looking for. 3,000 people believe that message. They're baptized that very day. Yeah, God's awesome. (laughs) Church, we got to understand this. See, this isn't like some old mission or anything. This is why Jesus came. This is God's redemptive plan. This is mine and your purpose of our life. Now, when we listen to this power in the presence, we are now listening and we're going to reference back to our map because look, church, this is our Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem started home. Judea, that's the surrounding Pima County. Samaria, that's up there in the village of Oak Creek in that region up there and to the ends of the earth. He's like, look, man, I'm giving you a power, a presence, and a mission. And I'm telling you that you need to go forth and make a difference by telling people about Jesus Christ. We're not telling people about motorcycles, churches. We're talking about Jesus Christ. Do you understand that, church? All the other stuff is just tools that God gives for the purpose of preaching Jesus. Don't get lost in the stuff. Get lost in him. And get lost in sharing who he is to this lost people. So now as these 3,000 people are saved and baptized, it's not like, hey, I'm gonna, I've been praying about this all morning. Should I say this? Okay, look, we'll move on. So evidently not right now. So we'll move on to this, right? So these people are saved and baptized. And I believe that. When someone gets saved, baptism's following. The Spirit of God's going to lead you to that moment. Because you're being washed from your old life, putting it to death, coming into the new and saying, I'm God's, I'm clean, I'm walking forward, right? I mean, it has to be. So the Holy Spirit continues to move. People are being saved, church. When you jump into Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go, listen to what it says in the Word of God. I'm going to read that verse. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Okay? 
We're not starting a 3 o'clock prayer service. I just want you to hear something. It's important that we see this. See, they're going to church like they should. We're called to. And they're going there for a prayer service. And on their way in, they see this crippled guy that's sitting by the gate begging. And as he comes to them and they look at him and he's like, hey, uh, you know, he reaches out his hand like, give me some. And not in a bad way. I'm just saying that's what he was doing. And Peter says that famous words to him. I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give you right now. In the name of Jesus, get up. And he jumped up. And dude, you know, like everybody's coming for prayer service. I don't know what they did back in Jerusalem in that day. But when people come to a prayer service, they're not like thinking there's going to be some amazing emotional experience. Well, I don't know why we don't, but we don't. We just come to do prayer service. But in this moment, craziness breaks out. Because this guy that's been crippled all his life is now up walking. And as he's walking around and he's jumping and he's excited, he's making noise. Just so you know, it's okay to do that. Yeah, I can't jump right now because I'm still healing, but I would if I could right now, trying to make it through both services. So I'm like, and they're like going, and he's jumping around, and this causes some commotion, like what's happening over there? So the people start to gather around what's happening, and they're like, what's happening? What's going on? What's, what's really going to happen now? Some weird thing going down. So look, man, as you look in the scriptures, it's so cool. Peter. It tells us this, saw his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd. <laughs> you know what he did? He preached Jesus. He's like, man, look at this. Look what God's doing. This is amazing. Sure, it's amazing for this guy, but God didn't just do this for this guy. Do you understand, church? Like, sometimes we focus on that object of God's touch, but God is doing something way beyond that. Yeah, this guy got healed. That's amazing. But see, what was more amazing is these people came that were seeking something, but they didn't know Jesus. And Peter saw that massive gathering, and he's like, ooh, here's an opportunity. Hey, y'all, I want to tell you something. And everybody got quiet because they were like, oh, he's the guy that did this. And he's like, no, nah, it's not me. It's not us. It's Jesus, and he's the one. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's so cool, man. So get it now. So they're preaching Jesus at the church. That's where they were, preaching Jesus at the church. And people become saved and followers of Christ right then and there. And so what it tells us in Acts 4 at that exact thing, it tells us how many people at that moment became believers and followed. So this is like there was 5,000 people, I think, that began to follow uh, men. Alone, they stopped counting, no disrespect, but they stopped counting the men, uh, women and children. See, in that day, they had to sit separate from one another in their culture, men and women on two different sides. They didn't intermingle, even if they were married. It's just the way their culture still like that in many of those uh, cultures today. So, like, they counted the guys, and they're like, we can't count everybody. Let's just count the men today, and there was 5,000 of them in, that were following Jesus at the time. So, uh, the Word of God says this. Acts chapter 4, dealing with this whole situation that's going on. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there's a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. 
Here's that verse I was looking for. It was there if I'd have just followed my notes. Many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Okay, now this is like a fast-moving move of God that's taking place, but this is only in Jerusalem, remember. This is hometown stuff. Now listen to what happens now. As we see this going on, Peter and John then are threatened by the, who? The church leaders. Not the Romans that were the governing authorities over them, but the church, the spiritual people. Don't you preach this Jesus stuff. <laughs> it's funny how when you speak Jesus that things kind of change a little bit. You know, we're all good with God uh, because we can use that generically and everybody can call whatever higher power they want God. But as soon as you start talking about Jesus, everybody gets uncomfortable and they're like, ah, uh, you know, don't pinpoint things. No, church, we are called to pinpoint who God actually is. All right? So, like, that's what happens. They're standing before a religious council of high order people that are somebodies in the religious church world, and they're like, you will not preach this Jesus stuff anymore. We want to warn you that if you do, there's going to be consequences that you will suffer. So as we move down through chapter 4, uh, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John, I'm reading the scriptures, returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and the elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lift up their voices together doing what? Prayer. Prayer. They didn't get together in little groups and say, we're going to have a protest. We're going to go hold up our signs and say, you suck, and we know what we're supposed to do, and we're here for God. No, church, they gathered together and they prayed. Why? Because it takes God's power to change things. I don't know why we pray last. It's the first thing they did. They went to prayer. Listen to their prayer. God records it for us so we can maybe get an idea here. O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Isn't that awesome? Remember what Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth, right? They're calling on that. You spoke long ago about the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, through David, your ancestor servant. I'm sorry, let me redo that because backing up. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, and the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord... Hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in what? Isn't that awesome? Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You see that? It's like, man, everything's all bringing us back to Jesus, preaching Jesus, teaching Jesus, 
bringing people to know Jesus. It's all about that. And so it's like, oh man, there's threats out there. You know, we're, we're being told everywhere not to preach Jesus. You can't talk about him at work. You can't talk about him in school. You can't talk about him in government. Don't talk about him in this or that, or don't bring it up in family. Can't talk about religion or politics. Everybody talks about politics. Why aren't we talking about Jesus? Why aren't we lifting him up? The word of God says when they were threatened not to say that, they got together and prayed about that and said, God, you are God above. We need you. And he's like, boom, I give you some extra power right now. These people are already filled with the Holy Spirit. You know that, right? But the Holy Spirit filled them again and gave them power and the place shook. And what did they do? They went out with boldness, speaking, preaching, and teaching Jesus. God is awesome. Oh, he's awesome. Church, we got to meet the challenges that come against us living our faith in prayer first. So they didn't get, again, I'm not, this is not disrespectful. I hope you hear me right when I say this. When they all had these threats, they didn't get together and say, okay, we got to strategize and make a plan to send people out with a missional agenda. Okay, I mean, they didn't do that. They didn't like get this outreach plan like, well, that's this, I almost, yeah, I will. Like, you know, I get these stuff all the time sent to me like, hey, send a postcard to everybody new in your community and let them know about you. And I'm like, dude, I throw that crap away. I'm not going to look at it. They're not going to look at it. I need something more than a postcard saying, hey, we're here. Come and see us. We need to live that life. Well, people are like, where do you go to church or what is going on in your life? I want to know that Jesus. You know, that's, you need to be the living postcard. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That was just my own little thing. We'll move on. So <laughs> anyway, so in that prayer, asking for that help to be bold, God answered that prayer. And they went out with boldness to preach Jesus. Now, because they did that, it wasn't like everybody was like, oh, okay, so you're not going to stop, so we'll join in and we'll let you do that. No, of course not. There was greater opposition. So the apostles and the leaders are arrested again. And they're put in prison. And um, we're going to read about this. This is in Acts chapter 5. So this is an ongoing thing in Acts, right? So listen. As a result, they were arrested an angel releases them, and they're arrested again, okay? Because when they were set free by the angel, the angel tells them, get on out there and you preach Jesus down there in that courts right now. So what do you think they did? They went right down to the temple courts, started preaching Jesus again. Then when they like, hey, where are those guys we put in prison? They said, uh, dude, they're down there preaching Jesus again. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, go get them and arrest them again. This is what it says here. They called the apostles and had them flogged. So now they bring them in and they're beating them. Now that could be with a whip, rods, but it was a way in the old days that they, well, some countries still today, unfortunately, they were beating people physically just short of death. They would beat them. And so it tells us in the word of God that they, they called the apostles and they flogged them. They ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. The apostles left the council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Church, you know, like when someone comes against us and we suffer even like an unkind word, we're all resentful and trying to get back at them and all that. These guys were flogged, beaten, and they were like, man, 
We are so honored, God, that we could suffer for you in the name of Jesus. That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy because it's Holy Spirit, but it's crazy. I mean, look at it. Man, they're like, we have been disgraced for Jesus. Woo! That's awesome. That's what they did while they're bleeding out of their backs. I'm going to keep reading now. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Woo, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Did they coil back? Did they like, no, no. You know what? It's like, we're all in. This is on now. We're doing this thing, and we're going to make it happen, and God be glorified. Let's step into it. So now, let's look at the last section of that statement for just a moment now. Um, so they, it does say they, they taught, preached in, in the temple, so they were doing it at church where they're talking about Jesus at church, trying to get people to get saved there, which we should, but it also says daily from house to house, right? Okay, church, see, this is where we in the modern church have screwed it up, and I'm going to tell you, pastors are to blame, teachers are to blame. I, I'm not really sure where we went off rails back here, but we all think that we need to bring people to church to get saved. You know, we bring them, we want to invite them. And I want you to invite people. Don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying. We have these little cards over here. Actually, I put one in my pocket so I wouldn't have to bend over. Uh, <laughs> these little come join us cards, right? It has information. We're, just gonna, we're gonna get these for you guys up in the village of Oak Creek. You'll have them this week. But I want you all to know you should always have these in your pocket to invite people, but it's not about inviting them to church. See, that can create an opportunity for you to talk about Jesus with them, especially when they're already asking you why you're like living like you are, so happy and full of love, right? Yeah, because you're living that way, they're going to be like, what's up with you? And you're like, well, I know Jesus, and I have a place where I go and worship with a bunch of other people who know Jesus, and it's amazing, and you should come and be with us. See how easy that was? It's so easy, right? That's preaching Jesus. All right, so now let's, let's continue on. So I, that, was, that wasn't a commercial, that was a calling, all right? House to house, house to house. Jesus is the Messiah. When is the last time you shared Jesus in your house with a non-believer? When is the last time you shared Jesus with a non-believer at their house? When is the last time you shared Jesus at the grocery store where you go with someone? When's the last time you shared at the coffee place with the people that you, they know you and they know your order? When's the last time you shared Jesus with them? See, we're talking about what God has actually called us to do and be. And way too many Christians are incognito today. And if you don't know what that means, it's like secret hiding, you know, camouflage. We're like, hey, I'm just a dude getting coffee here. Hey, everybody. You know, no. You're an ambassador. You're a light. You are the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. So God has called us to take every opportunity where you work. I know you're told you can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You must. They're going to hell. You have to take every opportunity to share Jesus, even if they're threatening you not to. Now, church, it's not gonna, everybody's not going to listen. 
And not everybody's going to be like, oh, thank you so much for telling me about Jesus, okay? <laughs> That's not reality because we read it right here in the Word of God. Even, the, like, seriously, some of the religious people are, are the most um, obnoxious, vehemently opposed to Jesus' message. We see it right here in the Word of God. These guys weren't being beaten by the Romans. They were beaten by the, the church leaders. Because, you know, when it's just a religion or if it's just an institution that's called spiritual, it's about them. And so when it's not about them, there's a problem. Church, I want you to know it's not about us. It's not about them. It's about Jesus. And, and therefore, people aren't all going to be like happy to hear about it. So not everybody that hears it is going to receive it. Even members of your home. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to like, bring all the family together. I'm here to actually divide it. You know, nobody preaches that message that Jesus gave, but he gave that message for a reason. He's like, man, there's going to be people in the same house. When you say yes to Jesus, they're going to separate from you. There is going to be a divider. The gospel divides, church. If you don't realize that, look out there in culture around us. They know it does. They're opposed to the Christian community. They know there's a division. They're opposed to you and I and us sharing that message. Do you guys know that? Okay, are, are we going to just kind of cower over and stay in our own little boundaries? Or are we going to be like what God called us to be and step across those lines and stand boldly proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord and you need him? Yeah. Church, we've got to do this. It's time we as a church, the gathered believers, embrace and receive the call of God in our lives to be the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are called to be. Everyone hearing my voice right now, I don't care where you are or what you're doing. Some people watch this or listen to a podcast. You may be driving your car. You may be at work right now. But everyone hearing my voice right now, we have been given an incredible opportunity of literally more than a million people that congregate and interact with us all around our lives. I'm talking about between all of us. We have this incredible opportunity of an influence for Jesus Christ. I was showing you the zip code map for a purpose. God knew that. That day I thought I was showing something to someone else. God was like, that's going to be for you guys. You guys wake up and look at the incredible opportunity that God says I have given to you. Look where I have placed you. You are not where you are by coincidence or by accident. Yes, you have maybe made stupid decisions to get to this point, but God himself now knows where you are, and if you surrender to him, he's got you there for a reason, and he will move you as he sees fit to where he wants you, and he will place you where he needs you. As a Christian, we should never be complaining about where we are. If God is leading our life, then God puts you there. So shut up and stop complaining and start praising God for where you are. Today we're being called by God to step up and step in to being the missional impact that he died to make us. Church, please hear this, man. If you don't hear nothing else today, Jesus died to make you his ambassador. There are people only you can reach. 
when I was um, ordained in the Wesleyan Church back in the 90s, the man that prayed over me did not know me personally. But that man that was standing there <laughs> put his hands on myself and my wife and those that were gathered around us, and he said, David, God has called you to reach people that no one else can reach. And you know, my wife and I owned that. And we saw that, and it's like, you know what? Whatever place God has put us, whoever it is that he wants us to reach, we want to reach every single person we can possibly reach for the message, with the message of Jesus Christ for the glory of God in every way. Now, church, I'm telling you that for a specific reason right now. Because back then, I heard the words, but it wasn't like, oh, I get that. I know where I'm going. No. I was just, I don't mean this wrong, but I was doing what I was told. I was there. I was kneeling. Someone was praying over me because that's what you do to be ordained. I didn't feel any warm fuzzies. The Holy Spirit didn't come with a second boldness and shake the church. None of that. But God knew what he was doing. He spoke a silent word that spoke into my wife's heart. And later as we were together, doing ministry together, she came to me and she said, you know, you remember when that prayer was prayed, Dave? This is what that meant. This is where we are. And this is what God's doing. And it all made sense to me. Didn't in the moment, but where we were right then, looking around us, I was like, wow, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. That's where I want to be. Right in the midst of all that. So now I'm, I'm saying this, and now you need to hear me. Today we're going to do something I have never done in all my ministry life. And I believe that, God, this is, this is the moment, church, that I know is historical and significant in your life and mine. <laughs> I'm at that point where I do my action steps that I usually have you stand. You're not standing yet. First and foremost, if anybody doesn't know Jesus, you need him today. You have been called by God. Someone invited you to listen, to step in, to be in a community right now, to hear these words, because he died for you, and he wants you to know he loves you, and that he's available, and that you need him, and you will not make it without him. And therefore, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm inviting you physically to this altar. I'm inviting you in the village of Oak Creek right now to step to the front. You can stand in front. I have people that are there. They're going to pray with you at the Gospel Rescue Mission. I know Gene's down there, some other volunteers. Step to the front of that sanctuary. If you don't know Jesus, this is the moment for you to know him. It is the day of your salvation, and this is real, and it's necessary, and God wants to change you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Here's what I've never done before. I've done that other part, and I'll do that every Sunday for the rest of my life. And every day through the week that God opens the door. <sighs> if you are born again Christian in this community of people that are listening to my voice right now, I'm going to ask you to accept the call of God in your life for your life. I'm going to ask you if you will embrace God's call to receive 
a commissioning prayer over you. And that you will see that place that you live, that you work, that you go to as a mission field and a ministry that God has called you and you alone to. And you are ready to step in and be the ambassador of Christ in the light in that dark community that God has asked you to be, church. This is not a game, and you do not stand up if you're not serious about this. But if you're ready to step in to being the missional asset that God died to make you, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Anybody that's willing, wherever you are, stand with me. If you're driving your car, just raise one hand. Keep your hand on the wheel and your eyes open. (laughs) See, what happened to me when I was ordained in the church, and I believe in this, it's biblical in the book of Acts, they laid hands on them and they prayed over them. Hey, man, somebody over there by the cafe, would you get my wife out of there? I didn't know I was going to do this, but I need her to come up here with me. You guys just stay right here with me. We're fine with the time and everything, but I need her to come with me. Come on, baby. I know she's in there serving you all with your coffee. By the way, all those people are volunteers, so you should be grateful for them and not complain. (laughs) Sorry, babe. I didn't plan this part. I apologize for bringing you up here if you're uncomfortable, but... I love you, and you're amazing. <laughs> We're going to extend our hand to you. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand here as just servants of the Most High God. God, across this congregation, across the Gospel Rescue Missions Auditorium, across the village of Oak Creek, in that auditorium, God, everywhere that people are right now that are standing and responding to this moment of commissioning as a minister of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, we therefore, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, (laughs) we acknowledge your call. We acknowledge your authority. We acknowledge that we are your ambassadors and that we are called to proclaim the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. And therefore, God, we embrace that. We step in, in spite of culture, in spite of our family, in spite of everything that we're...